Hello and welcome to the Tim Biscuit Podcast and today we have a new guest that is Paul Golding, leader of Britain First. Well thanks for thanks for coming on Paul, um, I know you're really busy so um, it's like much appreciated. Um, you're so you're the leader of Britain First, can you tell us a bit more about Britain First please? Britain First was launched in 2011, we wanted to be a patriotic political movement that will put our own people first. We're against immigration, we're against radical Islam and terrorism, uh, we're against political correctness, we're patriotic, right-wing, conservative and nationalist, and we want to make our country great again. And over the last, since 2011, we've been persecuted horrendously, but we've, we've continued to grow and grow and grow, and we're now at our strongest that we've ever been. How many members have you actually got to this date then, on Black Britain First? We've got well over 100,000 people on our database. Right. And we've got a lot of people, kind of a lot on the shelf from previous years. I mean, if you was to put all the data together, we'd probably have close to like half a million, maybe even a million. But we're, we're, we generally don't bother with uh, people that have lost interest and et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we're, we've got a hardcore uh, about 100,000 people worldwide. Wow. So is it like mainly in Britain then, your membership, or like does it span across different countries or...? I would I would probably estimate that we're about ninety percent UK and about ten percent the rest of the world, and it is really disparate. It's really spread out all across the world. We've got supporters in Japan, obviously North America. Um, in Japan, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it, it, we've got people in China. We've got obviously in Australia, New Zealand, the Commonwealth. People in South America, a lot, quite a lot of support in South America. Actually, it's quite quite unusual. But yeah, wow. all across Europe, a lot of pe- a lot of support in Russia. But I would say still about ninety percent of our core supporters are UK based. Right. You, you um people say Britain First is a far right organisation and like a racist organisation. How would you? What would you come back with when people would say you're just a racist? You're a far right organisation because um you mentioned immigration. What's um the policy from Britain First? if you're uh, like a real refugee coming into the UK what's Britain first view on that well first of all the terms racist and uh, you know fascist and all that they're, they're not even genuine anymore they're used pretty much to apply to everyone who isn't communist isn't a hardcore socialist these days even Nigel Farage and Boris Johnson get called racist all the time so those th- those words have completely lost their meaning they simply mean that Uh, British people are fed up with what's happening to their country and uh, they're opposed to all the left-wing policies that are unravelling our nation very quickly. So the terms racist and fascist and and bigot and so on and so forth, they've completely lost their meaning and they're just banded about like confetti these days to to silence people who speak out against the left-wing policies that are being enforced on us. Um, In terms of our immigration policy, our immigration policy is simple. We want to stop all immigration because we're a small, overcrowded, densely populated island. We're barely enough space and resources for our own people. And we're simply full up and we have no room left. And uh, we're, we're, like I said, we're hideously overcrowded. I think we're now the most densely populated country in Europe or close to. And we just simply haven't got the room. We're full up. Um, when it comes to refugees, we simply would follow the United Nations uh, Convention on Refugees, which states that refugees have to seek sanctuary in the first peaceful country they come across. So essentially, Britain should only be accepting genuine refugees 
from France, Belgium, Holland, Germany, Norway, Denmark, etc., Ireland, the countries that surround us. If a, if a refugee ca- uh, passes through dozens of peaceful countries just to get to soft touch benefits Britain, then they're not a genuine refugee. They're a chancer. They're a scrounger. That's the way we look at it. Yeah, do you, do you think um, there's a big problem with immigration at the minute coming over from France in um, like boats through um, like the Channel? Because because there does seem to be a lot of boats coming from France. And I would ask the question, are France even bothering to check them or are they just letting them come and go where they want? Uh, it's even worse than allowing them to come. They're actually facilitating it. Nigel Farage recently exposed this. He exposed, essentially, at the handover of refugee boats mid-channel, halfway across the, the English Channel. So the, the, the French authorities are actually uh, facilitating and bringing the, the migrants halfway across the Channel to be picked up by the British Navy, the British Coast Guard, the uh, Border Force, and then they're brought back to Britain. <clears throat> it's an absolute scandal. Um, and this at a time when we're told we're not allowed to go on holiday, there's no, there's no uh, flights going from airports because we've got to tackle coronavirus. We're only allowed to engage in political activities in groups of six. And um, we've got to sleep at our own homes every night. We're not allowed to sleep anywhere else around the country. But at the same time, they're allowing all of the immigrants, all the migrants from Calais to still flood into the country. It's craziness. It's madness. Britain first. We want to inject common sense back into British politics. Right. Um, you was on VK last night, and you did do a stream. I did manage to get like catch it, and you was concerned about a new law that just passed within the last forty-eight hours. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, the um, the new laws that they've rushed through Parliament very, very quickly with the connivance of Labour. Um, there's two facets of it that really affect us, and that is you're not allowed to protest. Um, basically, if you protest in groups larger than six people, you can all be arrested and fined and prosecuted under the COVID laws. Um, and also, you have to stay in your primary home address every single night. So they're making a big thing out of opening up all the hotels. I think it's this week or maybe next week. They're opening up all the hotels, um, but you're not allowed to stay in them all of a sudden. And the thing is, I said last night, and you may have heard that these laws are not going to be used against Black Lives Matter or Antifa or any kind of left wing organisations. They, they simply aren't. And that was I didn't realise. But yesterday, even before I'd made that live stream outlining these new laws where I said that these are going to be used against patriots only. Black Lives Matter held a huge um, march through Oxford. There's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. These laws were completely ignored, even though they were in force. So within the first 24 hours, uh, what I said had been proven right. These laws are going to be used against patriots and veterans. They're not going to be used against the liberal left. Right. Going back to the um, protests and the Black Lives Movement, what's um, what's your take on it? Do you, do, you, do you think there's a bigger movement behind it, like a socialist takeover or do you think it is just concerned about Black Lives Matter? Or do you think there's something a bit more insidious about it? I think it's very, very insidious. And I'm not obviously a conspiracy theorist. But <laughs> the, the liberal left across the Western world has been losing ground for years and years and years. They lost the, they lost the EU referendum. 
You've got the, the phenomenon of UKIP and the Brexit Party winning national elections. You've got the Donald Trump coming to power in America, uh, all across European nations. You've got the rise of populists and nationalists like Salvini, the Freedom Party in Austria, the, the, the rise of the Front National or the, whatever, their new, whatever their new name is in France, Marine Le Pen, um, the Danish People's Party uh, and all across the Western world, the liberal left is losing ground. Uh, and I think they've tried everything in the book. They've tried the personal attacks. I mean, Donald Trump's been accused of sexual assault 27 times, never been really, never been prosecuted or questioned about any of it. It's all just complete nonsense. Um, so they've tried the personal attacks on everyone across the board. That failed. They've tried media brainwashing. They've tried sabotaging Brexit. They've tried everything under the sun to try and claw back the ground that they're losing. They're losing the argument that people are... Pete, the ordinary man in the street are moving further and further to the right and they can see it. So what they've done now, their answer to this is one of their oldest tricks. And that is to create huge amounts of white guilt across the West that puts us back in our little box. Sorry, so that, go on. So that we don't turn even more right wing or even more patriotic. So all of this now, the focus on slavery, toppling statues, so that white people apologising, white people kneeling. It, it, I mean, I looked on Sky last night, Sky TV, and it had a whole section on Black Lives Matter. Mm. And I, I turned on Sky News, and it was just constant propaganda. It wasn't even wasn't even news. It was just constant propaganda. It's all designed to try and number one to defeat Trump, and two to inject huge amounts of false white guilt into Western populations so that it puts us back in our little box so that the, the liberal left don't get any more Brexits, Donald Trump's or Nigel Farage's. Yeah. Do, do, do you think doing this Black Lives Matter has sort of made the divide bigger and it's put us back, say, maybe a good 10 years uh, between I've races? Been, absolutely. But um, all I've seen on Instagram and twitter is just an avalanche of false white guilt it's become fashionable now to to be self-loathing if you're white it's become fashionable to be self-hating to be ethno-masochistic and it has put race, race relations back but that's deliberate because what they want to do is smash white people down back into their little box so that they stop voting in the way they've been voting recently to stop supporting people they've been supporting recently and going in that direction um but what there's also a lot of uh, underlying things here like we all know liberal white liberals and white socialists have this white savior complex so they deliberately create a racial divide and then they present themselves as the saviors of one half of that divide mm. so it keeps ethnic minorities it keeps left-wingers and liberals locked in to supporting the same <clears throat> left-wing socialist and liberal politicians and political parties and organizations and the thing is in america a lot of this is to do with america and unseating trump it's absolutely no coincidence that this has happened a few months before an, an american presidential election yeah, yeah it's, true it's yeah. so bloody obvious what they're doing uh so well, sort of said that about the covid19 as well didn't they the um sort of yeah. it's like all come at the right time for donald trump's um sort of election sorry 
Go on, carry on. <laughs> uh, and the thing is, in America, what they've done is Donald Trump is doing so well on the economy. And when you do well on the economy, you get you get the massive support of the people because their lives improved. They've got more money. They've got more jobs. They've got more prospects. And that's what Donald Trump's achieved in, in, in America. Donald Trump has lowered black unemployment, Hispanic unemployment and their living standards. He's raised. And the liberal left are looking at this thinking, oh, dear, vast numbers of these uh, black blacks and Hispanics in America are going to vote for Donald Trump because they can see. Whatever he's doing, whatever they say about him, he's actually improving their lives with the economy. So how do we combat this? How do we basically put a lasso around ethnic minorities and pull them back towards the political left? And this is what it's all about. Promoting yeah. promoting a false narrative to make black people and ethnic minorities angry and upset about supposed racism in the system and police brutality but we all know for like four of the arresting officers of george floyd two of them were non-white so this isn't a race issue it's nothing to do with racism what happened to him it might it was police brutality but the same thing happened 10 months earlier to a white man called tony timber and he suffered police brutality and he died but no one ever ran with it there weren't no protests there weren't no campaign mm. no media frenzy there weren't no social social media celebrities and influencers all engaging in sickening displays of self-loathing um the reason this has happened is because trump's up for re-election and the democrats in america are just trying to, to drag all of the ethnic minorities back towards voting democrat a few months before an election it's quite ingenious really very slick very intelligent very ingenious but completely fraudulent yeah, be be yeah, Mike. Cause now they're trending a hashtag de, like defund the police, and like that's on Black Lives like sort of like sort of website. So what's your reaction to like defunding the police? Cause like obviously if we defund the police, if they go for a socialist state, obviously a private firm's got to come in and bet bet your bottom dollar another private firm will try and outdo that private firm. So it's not really socialist state. It'll be more capitalists and as well so do you, do you think it's a bit counterproductive them defunding the police i think what's being proposed in america is absolute madness and i think that any kind of goodwill that black lives matter had you know because of george floyd is, is being squandered left right mm. and center in this country it's being squandered and everyone's turning against them and it's there is such a massive groundswell amongst ordinary people against black lives matter now because they're going around they're calling churchill racist they're calling abraham lincoln the man who freed the slaves a racist they're calling gandhi a racist they're toppling statues they're graffitiing churchill statue they're trying to set fire to the cenotaph what has that got to do with black lives matter <laughs> yeah do you scratch below the surface you go onto black lives matters website their gofundme page etc etc they want the end of capitalism which is a communist policy you know not even not even socialists in america want the end of capitalism they just want uh, more social spending they want a bigger yeah. state etc the only people who actually want an, an end to capitalism is full-blown communists um of the soviet variety so Black Lives Matter is a far left extremist movement. And it, uh, part of communism, as you know, is to wage a war against law and order, because apparently law and order is just a way to keep the workers in their place by big, by big business, which we all know is rubbish. But, yeah, I mean, uh, 
Minneapolis has now voted to defund the police. The NYPD, the largest police force in the world, is now laid off 600 of its police, just like that, um, to, to start the process of defunding the police. It's madness. You're gonna what you're gonna have is crime absolutely going through the roof, and the no, you can't ring the police. You can't ring anyone to help you. It's going to be anarchism. It's going to be communism, and it's being pushed by every all the influencers and celebrities on social media because it's trendy and fashionable. Nothing else, not because they believe mm. in it, just because it's trendy and fashionable. Um, and the media is pushing it. The Democrats are pushing it. You know, AOC is. She's pushing it now. Defund the police. It's madness. If someone's burgling your house or raping your daughter, you ring the police. Imagine if that wasn't there. You're going to have you're going to go back to being in the Stone Age. It's going to be barbarians all in the streets. It's madness. Crazy. Well, well, right. They've got um, Chaz now, haven't there? Is 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 it called Chaz in America? That used to be Capitol Hill, which is a police free zone. So like they put barriers up and they're all patrolling it with. In Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want to go somewhere like that because like there's reports on twitter where there's extortion from businesses saying you've got to pay us now and there's yeah. people you've been roped to into this people so there's no really law enforcement there it's a free-for-all because it's got a democrat mayor it's got Demo- democrats run that city so what you've got is pretty much an, a left-wing communist insurrection on american soil yeah and the supposedly moderate liberals of the Democrat Party are not doing anything about it. It's crazy. Some of the things that happen in America. I can, I, can, I can only think that Donald Trump is just sitting there in the White House laughing his, laughing his socks off because all of, all this, the sum total of all of this is that ordinary people are going to vote for Donald Trump. Madness on a greater scale, on a greater level, at the highest levels of government. Because Joe Biden, he's the one kneeling all the time, posing with protesters and so on and so forth. And if one knows that he's a bit of a, a donut, if one knows that he, he he has brain fog literally every two minutes and forgets what he's talking about, but this this is what this is the person they're, they're putting forward to replace Trump. And it's absolute craziness. So I can only think that Donald Trump is relishing a lot of what's happening because he's the people who are opposing him, the, uh, their eyes are really being opened now as to what mm. really were like the Democrats, AOC and uh, Antifa and Black Lives Matter are really good. They're not calling for, uh, you know, racial equality. They're calling for old fashioned Soviet, Venezuela, Cuban, North Korean communism. That's what they're calling for. And that's what's going to be on offer at this election. Yeah, where do you think it's going to go? Do you think the protests are going to be calmer now? Or like, do you think there'll be like two or three every sort of week for the ongoing sort of foreseeable future? Or like with this new law that's coming, is that going to put pay to the protests? No, I don't think it will. I think the, the, the momentum will carry on for a, a, a short while. But I don't think it will last forever. It never lasts forever last time I made the Ferguson riots. Um, it will fizzle out, but it will go on for a little bit longer than, than now. But these, these laws are not for the left. These laws are for the right. These laws are for the veterans, the, the football firms and the patriot groups, the ones who've turned out to stop Black Lives Matter and Antifa trashing our national monuments. These laws are for them. That's why Labour enthusiastically supported it. Labour, if these laws were for everyone, if they were going to be used to clamp down on Black Lives Matter, Labour would not be supporting them. And we saw it yesterday. The police allowed 
even though these laws were in effect, they were the law. No more than six people or you face arrest. Mm-hmm. You had hundreds and hundreds of Black Lives Matter supporters marching in Oxford. Police didn't do anything. I can guarantee you if I turned up to a war memorial that was due to be vandalised with seven people, we'd all be arrested. can guarantee it. Yeah, well, it, it does seem to be getting like that for um, many people. Um, what do you think to... It wasn't this weekend gone, it was the weekend before, but to the police kneeling. My only problem... I mean, like, I'm all for peaceful protests. If people want to kneel, let them kneel. But my issue with the police is if you see the police kneeling, that's showing their political alliances yes. towards one fraction. So, say it kicks off... Would the police be on the protester side or the anti-protester side because they've been seen to be as kneeling? And I think it was a pretty naive mistake for some police to do. I can see why they did it because it's their choice. But when sort of you, when in like sort of like you're pledging to protect the public, and you're seen in a figure of authority, and you shouldn't be showing your political alliances because it does say you shouldn't be doing that. You can't be yeah. paid to organisations. I think that could cause a problem what's some of your feeling on the police kneeling i think it's scandalous because i mean the police showing <coughs> any type of political symbolism while they're working is scandalous i'm not just talking about them kneeling because the police are supposed to be ultra impartial they're supposed to be completely uh straight down the line unbiased you know and to see them making political statements now, I was in London on Saturday. I never saw any of the, the police were in riot gear. The police were ready for trouble. The police were running around with batons, with shields. That's what the police attitude towards veterans. A lot of them veterans on Saturday were threatened with arrest unless they they left the area of the cenotaph. So they were threatening to arrest veterans. They were completely done up head to toe in uh, riot equipment shields big batons and they were very hostile and very strict and very intolerant and just contrast that to the week before where they literally stood like lemons and allow churchill statue to be vandalized they was kneeling they was making political statements i'm i'm gonna look uh, at the possibilities of putting in uh, complaints to the iopc about the police making political statements outside downing street they shouldn't have done that when you're asked to, if I went up to a police officer and said, can you hold this Britain first placard for me? I just want to take a photo. They say, no, 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 can't do it. It's <laughs> against the rules. Yeah. But yet these communists walk up to them and say, get on your hands and knees. And they're like, yes, OK, then straighten the hands and knees. It's scandalous on principle. Forgetting the, the, the actual um, specifics, it's scandalous because it shows, like you said, the police are making political statements. Why are they doing that? Why haven't they been... Uh, pulled up why haven't they um why haven't they been disciplined for doing that it's yeah maybe may maybe they have been disciplined but there's nothing been in the press reported about that yeah. I and mean, i don't think there's a like sort of like a like a massive hoo-ha about them like kneeling. i just thought if you know if they're the police they shouldn't be shown their political alliances and, and um, well, didn't do them any good did it because shortly after they was on their hands and knees um you know th- th- as soon as they were back up on their feet they had bikes thrown at them they had bottles and 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 missiles thrown at them they were attacked physically attacked getting on your hands and knees didn't help them on the day did it 
Well, it wasn't just them, it's some like was the police horses as well that got the bike thrown at it. And I read somewhere uh, there was a Twitter picture of a, a broken nose of a police horse that got a brick thrown at it. Yeah. So I, I just think both sides need to go peace, peacefully protest. But like sort of obviously you would like mentioned the police were already in force for Saturday. The press did its best to like start fishing and say these anti-protesters this that and the other and everyone was going to be saying well if there's any trouble it'll be the f- the far right like sort of protest but i but ironically there was more police officers hit the weekend before the anti-protesters start and that's not being picked up on all on all we've seen is six police officers injured compared to the 27 yeah. police officers now fair is fair i just want fairness this is why i've got the podcast for free speech i'll have people on that i don't agree with people yeah. coming that i do agree with and vice versa but i think fair is fair and everyone needs this like say but i don't think chucking a brick at a police officer or chucking petrol bombs or bricks it all the protesters I, I, I just don't think it serves a purpose when you're trying to get a peaceful message across and yeah. for defacing statues, that's just the whole. It's just it's just a non-respect thing. You you yeah. sort of should respect it. Um, right. There's one last thing because I know time's getting on. And what I wanted to mention to you about was you got pulled on terrorism charges. Can you just tell us a bit about that, please? I'm like where you was yeah. coming from because was it you came from Russia? You were speaking in the Russian Parliament. Yes, I I mean essentially the police took advantage of uh, anti-terrorism powers that apply only in ports of entry like airports. I, w- I was invited to Moscow to give a speech at a peace conference. The, the subject of the conference inside the Russian parliament was international peace. So I, I went there and I made a speech about how historically Britain and Russia have always been fighting on the same side. We have Napoleonic Wars, we're on the same side. First World War, same side. Second World War was on the same side. And millions of our people have died fighting on the same side in, in, in multiple wars. Uh, and I said, you know, we should be friends, we should be allies. Our peoples have so much to offer each other in terms of friendship and so on. Uh, and I thought, think it's scandalous the way the British press tried to turn the British people against Russia because Russia is not... It's not a politically correct, you know, liberal left state. It's not a, you know, no. it's not a corporatist state. It's not part of the international elites. They're uh, all upon themselves. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're their own country. Putin's his own man. He's not, you know, he, he, he actually punishes the oligarchs. He kicks the oligarchs out of the country. He is defends the, the Russian people no matter what. And the, the, the liberal left wingers in the in the West always look at that and think that's sacrilege that's heresy Mm. nationalism and patriotism putting your own people first before the new world order before left-wing ideology no that's not allowed so let's demonize the west against russia um so i went to the russian parliament went to the headquarters of the second largest political party in russia the ldpr um and i did the tourist thing as well i was you know red square lenin's tomb the kremlin and when i came back to heathrow airport well, we were coming off the plane. We was ambushed by around 15 to 20 SO15 counterterrorism command officers. They dragged me away under threat of arrest to a detention room. They kept me in that room for three hours. They demanded, they confiscated all of my electronic devices. They demanded the PIN codes. They demanded the passwords to my hard drive and laptop. Now, as a political party leader, I've got a backup of the Britain First membership list and contact details 
highly encrypted on my hard drive and elsewhere highly encrypted unbreakable military level you cannot get into it and that was proven by the fact that they gave me the devices back within a week and i said to my solicitor at the time the fact they've given those devices back does that mean they haven't hacked into them and he said yes because if they hacked into them they would keep them in case they found anything to be used as evidence they'd have to keep them if they got into them so the fact that they didn't they couldn't get into them because the levels of encryption are unbelievable throughout all my devices they gave them back after a week but nevertheless under the the uh, schedule 7 of the terrorism act 2000 i was automatically guilty when i refused to provide my pin codes and passwords as per the letter of the law um so i was prosecuted i pleaded not guilty i was taken to court and at the end of the my sentence well i found guilty but my sentence was a nine month conditional discharge which basically means if i'm a good boy for the next nine months and i'm not convicted for anything else then the criminal record for schedule seven of the terrorism act 2000 disappears it all disappears like it never even happened right so that just gets spent off them like your record so it's just like a simple caution then as so as soon as it's it's and it's gone yeah um why did the suspension of terrorism charges be i mean like sort of i mean that's quite serious and because you've got convicted of terrorism charges is that going to affect any more trips you do abroad say if you go back to northern ireland or if you go back to russia is that going to affect i mean it's i mean it'll definitely affect you going to going to america but will it affect you going sort of elsewhere closer well, to home a few months ago i actually applied to go to america i think it was around in january or december i applied to go to america for four days to to do some political things and i got refused some of my colleagues got accepted but i got refused um did they give you a reason why they refused no, you entry? no they don't give you a reason but i think it's just because i was still under investigation for i was under prosecution for right. all of that but essentially, um, it affects it affects everyone in this way because if you're someone like me or Tommy Robinson or someone you know the the government the establishment don't like, and you go through an airport or you go through a ferry port, they can just pounce on you and say, "Give me your phone, give me a passcode to your phone," and if you say no, bang, you're automatically guilty. You, under this the specific wording, you're guilty immediately upon refusing to give your passcodes and passwords it's mm. the most ridiculous draconian uh legislation i mean when, when it's being used against someone for example like all the returning isis fighters are just coming back into the country they're not being stopped under this legislation they're using it against people like me which is scandalous really they're i mean not- i mean like so did you have any reason to believe you like you like was committing no. a terrorist defence, or you was all like, was it purely because you're the head of Britain First, a well, far right organisation? Yeah, basically, if you put yourself in their position, if I gave them my passcodes, win-win. They get access to all of my messages, my photos. They get access to the Britain First membership list. They get access to everything. And if I say no, I'm on a terrorism charge. So that's win-win. Mm. Um, but actually the, the the most illuminating thing that happened in court at my trial on the 20th of may and this was everyone there will know that this happened 100 percent is that the chief investigating officer who was a complete moron i don't know how these people become anti-terrorism officers but nevertheless he actually confirmed in court there was no suspicion of being relating to anything 
uh, to do with terrorism, nothing at all. They simply, they said they wanted to raid all my personal devices to make a determination whether I'm related to anything to do with terrorism. That's but, a bit strange. But initially, they said there was no suspicion whatsoever. Hmm. They said I was selected at random, which we know is rubbish. <laughs> I was selected at random because I was coming back from Russia, and they wanted to make a determination whether I was involved in anything terrorist-related. But up until the point um, that I was taken into custody and prosecuted, they had no suspicion that I was relate, uh, related to anything terrorist. So... It's a complete stitch-up. It's win-win for them. If I gave them the, my, my PIN codes, it's win-win. If I'm up on a terrorism charge, it's win-win. So, you know, I was fighting a losing battle from day one. But what it means now is when I go abroad, I'm just taking a cheap burn phone, what they call a burn phone down in a London. Burnie, yeah. Yeah, burn phone. Just, just, I'll just go and buy a £10 phone from Tesco and take that with me. Everything else will be hid, hidden. To keep it safe. So when I go through the airport, if they do stop me and say, give us your phone and you, they want access, say, go, there you go, have access to it. Then there'd be nothing on it. That's not because I've got something to hide. It's just because they've got no bloody right to be uh, raiding. All of, yeah. And when they admit in court to a judge, I think that's why I got a lenient sentence. I think that's why I got a slap on the wrist is because the, the chief investigating officer said he's under no suspicion of terrorist activities. So the judge just thought that I've got to find him guilty because that's the law. But she gave me a slap on the wrist. Yeah, with the nine months. So you've yeah. like, got to be a good boy with the nine months. Well, that's it. Our time's up. Thanks. Thanks again for like um, coming on. Uh, like, so again, it's a free speech podcast. So everyone's welcome to come on and share their opinions and have their say. Be, be um, like, because as like we all know, everywhere's being clamped down at, at the minute. Yeah. The media do what the media always do. But the internet should be for about for, like free speech, free thought, and free opinion. And this is what the podcast is about. So thanks for coming on. Um, please like, share, and subscribe. Um, and thanks again for coming on. You're welcome. God bless. All right. Cheers for that. Bye bye. Bye. The Tim Biscuit Podcast.